Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Rushville. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Rush County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel Jason Hammer right over there. Uh, we'll go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on Breitbart World editor Francis Martell. Uh, welcome back to the show, Francis. Happy Fourth of July weekend. How are you? Happy Fourth of July. Thanks so much for having me on the show. So about a week ago, I was glued to the TV. I could not stop watching this thing with Russia and the Wagner Group and some guy named Prigozhin and this armed rebellion uprising against Putin and Russia. And I remember I, I actually texted you because I was like, I bet you <laughs> thought you were going to have the weekend off, didn't you? Um, yeah, so, I, had, I had just pulled out a beer and I had to turn it into coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, I mean, so this thing was fascinating to me. I couldn't take, it seemed like it ended uh, just as soon as it started. It t- take me through what happened, why it was important, who is Prigozhin and the Wagner Group and how they work alongside Russia and why did they decide to turn on Putin and Russia last weekend? Absolutely. So Wagner is a paramilitary mercenary group. It's it's a private entity, um, but it's kind of soldiers for hire, and they do a lot of work with the Russian government to essentially benefit the interests of the Russian government. So they're active. They were active until this week, basically, in the Ukrainian battlefield. They're very, very active in Mali, Central African Republic, Congo. Um, They sort of go into places where the Russian military doesn't go and do the dirt and they do the dirty work. Um, Prigozhin is the head of that organization, and he has been complaining for months now that he doesn't feel that the Russian defense ministry is supporting Wagner enough in Ukraine, that they basically left the mercenaries there to do their worst in Ukraine, and they didn't support, they didn't offer enough weapons or support or planning to actually win the invasion of Ukraine, and that they were also insufficiently preparing their soldiers, that the Russian military itself was, you know, these young teenage men who had no real preparation for the horrors of the battlefield. Um, And so what happened this weekend is he posted a a video where he finally said he accused the defense ministry, and and it's important to say the defense ministry and not Putin, because he has said repeatedly he does not have any problem with Putin. He believes that the leaders of the defense ministry um, are swindling uh, Putin, essentially. And he said that the defense ministry attacked Wagner killed about 2,000 of his men, which we don't know if that's true or not still, um, and that he was going to march onto Moscow in retaliation for that because the alternative was to watch his men be massacred. And so that's kind of where we were last weekend. And then 24 hours later, the dictator of Belarus comes in and says, we figured it out. Prigozhin's going to Belarus. Nothing to see here. Everybody go back to normal. (laughs) Wow. And so people were going crazy. You know, the, the mayor of Moscow was saying, everybody stay home, stay in for the weekend. Uh, there were rumors that Putin flew out of Moscow uh, to St. Petersburg in a compound. Um, I th- How big a deal was it that the Wagner Group, these paid mercenaries that are, are, are working alongside the Russian military, how big a deal was it when they marched back into Russia and took over a Russian town and the military base where they were conducting um, missions in the Ukraine, and then marching towards Moscow. I mean, that was a big deal, right? 
Yes, that is a tremendous deal. And in a video Prigozhin made after calling off the the mutiny, he said something that I think is really important because it's going to resonate with the Russian people. He said, the way that I marched into Rostov-on-Don, which is the, the strategic city that he marched into first, and the way that I was marching into Moscow with basically... Little, little to no resistance. Yeah. That's how we should have marched into Kiev, and we didn't. And whose fault is that? The defense ministry. And now your kids, meaning the Russian people, your kids are dying in Ukraine because these fat cats are incompetent. And and that was that's why it's such a big deal. Is that this is kind of a popular appeal by a rogue paramilitary organization um, to uh, to defy the defense ministry to say your leaders are failing you and and. And he, he again, he emphasizes it's not Putin's fault. It's Sergei Shoigu, the, the defense minister's fault. And you should demand better leadership because your children shouldn't die for these people. Francis, Jason Hammer here. And I was watching this, too. And the first thing that came to my mind was Russia just looks unorganized. They look in disarray. Like if you go back five years ago. I think the reputation of Russia and Putin was, oh, man, this is this really smart, savvy KGB guy. They've got state-of-the-art weapons. They've got state-of-the-art spying, all this new capability. But over the last five years, I think that reputation's taken a big hit, hasn't it? Yes, absolutely. I, I think the biggest problem for Putin now is that it looks like, you know, he lost control of the classroom. Like he's yeah. a teacher and now the kids are throwing spitballs at each other and he's just sitting there watching it happen. Um, and so the talking point from the Kremlin is actually he's extremely competent because look at how quickly it was resolved. You know, there was a mutiny and it, it disappeared in 24 hours. But the question I have is, you know, what serious major world power has a, a rogue mercenary unit invading its capital. I mean, can you imagine in China, like just a like rogue right. military invading Beijing? No, it would never happen. Xi Jinping doesn't even, you know, Xi Jinping purges people that are on his side who look a little too charismatic. Whereas Putin let Prigozhin elevate his profile and defy his defense minister. It looks really bad. And so where is this, this Wagner warlord Prigozhin now and how long before he winds up with poison in his boxers <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question right um so we believe he's in minsk in the capital of belarus um we believe he's uh good friends with uh with lukashenko who's the dictator in belarus so um the sentiment at least publicly according to the russian government is that he's just going to hang out in belarus and he's going to be fine. But it's very hard to believe that, yeah, right? If, if you know anything anything about a dictator, having, you know, organizing a failed armed mutiny is not really something that you get away with. Um, and so that leaves a lot of questions, right? This um, The big comparison in my head that, that this brings me to is the failed coup in Turkey in 2016, mm -hmm. where um, Erdogan that was another coup that ended in like 24 hours because Erdogan showed up on FaceTime and told his people to go out into the streets and fight the soldiers. And it worked somehow. Um, and everybody involved in that was purged. Um, so I, I don't see how there's a, an exit to this other than um, if there is a conspiracy out there that this was coordinated, that Prigozhin staged an uprising to see who within the Russian military mm -hmm. would join him, and then those are the people that are going to be purged. But there's no evidence for that. You know, that's that's speculation because everyone's asking what you're asking, like how is this guy alive? And so that's one of the possibilities out there. And uh, last question on this: Does this weaken Putin's 
position and Russia's position in Ukraine, or is this just going to keep going on and on and on? Well, it depends on what Wagner does in Belarus. If if the Wagner folks decide to use Belarus as a platform to attack Ukraine again, then I think Putin actually comes out a little strengthened. But there's no guarantee, you know, it's clear that he doesn't control those people, right? So if the Wagner people do not, if those soldiers don't go back into Ukraine and don't help the Russian military, then Putin's position is significantly weakened. Our guest is Francis Martel, the Breitbart News International Editor, joining us here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Francis, you mentioned uh, Beijing about a minute or two ago. This little alliance, if you want to call it that, with Cuba is fascinating. And it feels like it's been kind of underreported here in the United States. The Wall Street Journal, uh, they claim that China planning to build this military training facility in Cuba, you know, approximately 90 miles from the southern tip of Florida. Take me through what the latest is with this. Is this something we should really be concerned with? We should absolutely be concerned. Um, We have a very important military base on that island, on Cuba. Um, And every, you know, with the exception of Trump, really, every president has treated Cuba as an afterthought. And every dictator, you know, China, Russia, Iran, um, every bad, Turkey even, um, has treated Cuba as a priority. And that's a huge problem. So what we know about the relationship between Cuba and China is that uh, Cuba joined the Belt and Road Initiative, I believe it was in 2018. Um, Belt and Road is the debt trap initiative where China gives you a predatory loan and then builds things in your country. And then they they flood the country with their operatives and then they use your, your country as a base. And we've seen this all over the world. So Cuba has probably been a pretty significant Chinese asset since then. Um, the Wall Street Journal report claims that China is building a new intelligence base in Cuba. And the Biden administration, first they denied the report. They said the report was inaccurate. Um, John Kirby, the the spokesman, said it was inaccurate, even though he himself was quoted in the story. And then he said the reason it was inaccurate is because there's already been an intelligence, a Chinese intelligence base on Cuba since 2019. So they tried to blame Trump for this. (laughs) And the reality is that. The, probably since the fall of the Soviet Union, there's been a void in Cuba for communist alliances, and China's been slowly building itself to replace Russia. Um, so we, we have, you know, Cuba's overrun with our enemies right now, and, and this isn't anything new, but I'm glad it has more attention. What about, take me to, um, we just got a couple minutes left here with Francis Martel. I know we're kind of all over the place here, but the, the China, when, when Secretary Blinken was hanging out with Xi Jinping and uh, and, and and Blinken basically said uh, America does not support Taiwan independence. Is that the official position of the United States? Because I, I was always under the understanding that we can't let China go into Taiwan. It'll be a disaster if China, we're going to go to war. What What happened there? And do you think China will ever actually invade Taiwan? Um, so Blinken, I think, caught a lot of undue heat for this because this actually has been our policy since Jimmy Carter. And no president since Jimmy Carter has had the nerve to change that policy and actually recognize Taiwan. Um, what we support officially is the status quo, by which we mean we don't recognize Taiwan as a country, but we sell them weapons and we oppose an invasion. We, we oppose Taiwan becoming sovereign. We oppose Taiwan becoming a province of China. Um, so it's a really slithery position. Um, but as to whether China's going to invade Taiwan, I mean, China's economy is collapsing right now. There's protests on a regular basis. I, I just don't feel like 
Beijing is in a position to add a, a new front in their in their world conquest plan right now. Um, but do they want to? Absolutely. Oh, so really fascinating stuff there with Francis Martel, international editor at Breitbart. Francis, have a wonderful 4th of July weekend, and we always appreciate your insight and uh, hope to talk to you soon. Absolutely. Happy 4th. Ready for a cold one, my friend. Oh, yeah. Beer Sample Friday coming up next on the Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIBC.